Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. So today, I'm talking with Namal Raja, and we had a good conversation about his book, The Land of Mamir, why he started writing, what got him into fantasy, the fact of how much he enjoys the story, and so much more. I encourage you to listen to the show. Obviously, you're already starting to listen to it now, so I appreciate you being here. You can also watch the show if you're not on Rumble on YouTube. A lot of times you'll hear these shows where we talk about you see this or they show you this or they're holding things up. So you can still watch them there and see what's going on. And, of course, you can see either my smiling face, the guest. He also is, as you might be doing, available on streaming audio about any place you want. You can go to authorblurb.com. There you'll find all the information on the guest, previous guest, and the information on upcoming guests. I also have there listed where you can go and donate to the show. Every little bit helps out. I mean, I have to pay the bills, and the more you help, the more I can provide. So with that, thank you. Enjoy the show, and I'll talk to you afterwards. So this is Namad Raj, Raja, and he's written an amazing fantasy book. I could probably go in. I've read the description. I've read the reviews. They all sound amazing. But instead of me going in, the best person to describe it is Raj himself, Raja himself. So if you don't mind, thank you for being here. I Thanks appreciate you me. being on the show. Could you tell the listeners and everybody a bit about yourself and a bit about your book? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, Eric. Appreciate that. Uh, my name is Naman Raja, uh, and I'm the author of The Land of Amir. Uh, I'm roughly 30 years old, living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, I came from a small village in Pakistan, uh, you know, around 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, ever since I came in, fantasy was like the biggest thing around. You know, with the Lord of the Rings and uh, the, the the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. Right. Um, and I really got into that. And, you know, but my English skills wasn't that really good since coming from foreign land, uh, real young. And then, you know, reading these books in school, uh, I really couldn't read. So I, I kind of put these words and images, you know, stories together in my own head. Um, and that kind of like, you know, build my likings for fantasy and that kind of dove into you know creating the land of Amir and the book essentially is a high fantasy novel um a graphical novel as well there's a lot of artwork in there describing the locations the people or the main characters um but you know the book itself is like unlike uh the lords of the rings or Game of Thrones that are real European rooted. Uh, this is a fantasy that's rooted in, you know, the South Asian, Middle Eastern uh, mythology. So it is a fantasy book. It is, um, has dragons, it has, you know, witches and elves, uh, but different forms uh, right. that, you know, I took, that I took from, you know, uh, from Middle Eastern mythology. All right. So you said that, and I think I've read it somewhere where you said that the 
writing helped you learn the language and all this. What actually got you into figuring out that trying to write all this down is going to be what helps you learn the, the language better and then end up turning it? Because I can understand like writing, getting that practice is a good thing. But to go from learning a language to just writing a little bit to writing a complete novel. Yeah. No, the book's not really related to, you know, when I was growing up. Uh, right. But, the, you know, the, 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 the building my own world through not understanding the words uh, really, you know, inspired me at a young age. Um, and, you know, really got my, my, you know, my imagination running. You know, when you don't understand something, uh, like if you go to a different land, um, you know, you got to piece it together. Right. And, you, you know, uh, and, you know, that's what inspired me really to learn and dive into European stuff. You know, I really didn't know too much about, you know, uh, Essex, you know, or in places in London. Or, right. You know, and I, and I read that in history, you know. So uh, at a young age, that's inspired me to, uh, you know, d dive in. Uh, to essentially fantasy, sci-fi, you know, uh, uh, and around 2017, I would say, when I started really writing The Land of Amir itself, uh, okay. you know, I had I had it building up in my back of my mind, um, you know, that I wanted to write something, and really it started with the name. The Land of Amir really started the story itself. It's just the, the title. Uh, and just like I said when I was young, I just took the title, thought about it, piece some things together and slowly start building a story. Um, so it's, yeah, essentially around 2017, I'll say that the land of Vermeer itself really rooted and started to build. All right. So what actually got, so with the land of Amir, what was it that got the story started? What was it that inspired you to start writing? You said there's a bit of Eastern Asian, Middle Eastern kind of mythology in there. Was there a specific mythology or a specific story that you knew of growing up that inspired the story to start? That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, around 2017, you know, I was working in technology, and I still am. Uh, right. You know, the whole nine to five every day, and then, you know, I was really watching a lot of like TV shows at the time, you know, mm -hmm. just between eight o'clock and, you know, one day it's just, it, I can't explain it. Like the land of a mirror just hit my head so hard. And then, you know, I started diving into just thinking the idea, you know, if you look at my background, that, that, that boy right there was the first name Ismail. Right. Started with that, you know, who is Ismail? It, it, it really is, you know, writing a story and diving into uh, just like how you research a page, you know, uh, it, you know, I knew that I wanted to write a fantasy story. I didn't know it was going to be about a Middle Eastern fantasy story. Right. Um, but, you know, like I think growing up, coming here and like I explained when I was young, uh, kind of build that up, you know, and I think the idea just flowed. Uh, you know, I really can't explain that, uh, you know, how the ideas flowed. But, you know, mid 2017. I started writing down some chapters, you know, with mm -hmm. Ismail, Ismail and Nimra, uh, who's also sitting right here uh, below. Uh, and, 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 you just, know, I presented. 
Yeah. And sorry, but for anybody that's listening through the audio, he does have the book cover where his main character is showing on his screen. So when you hear him say that it's here, don't think he's just know that he does have a video that is going to be on YouTube and rumble as well for people to look at. Sorry to interrupt. I I figured it's easier to clarify in case somebody's wondering. Yeah. Yeah, The land of Vermeer, the two main characters, uh, Ismayu and Nimra. Uh, you know, um, Ismayu is the young prince, ones that live behind the golden wall. Um, they're isolated in there by themselves for thousands of years, so they don't really know what's beyond it. Uh, and, the, and if you look again in my background, there's darkness in the clouds of the, mm-hmm. the south. Um, and that's what the story really is it's about light and dark. Um, and Nimra is, you know, just like uh, she's a she's a she's a chasm. She's a, an elf creature that lives in the north as well. Um, she's also predicted or, you know, shown in the, in the cover. Okay. So, you know, Eric, you know, I really, you know, just like any author, I will say, you know, the imagination just, you know, just came out. And, right. you know, I explored different stories. I explored uh, different plots. And then I presented them to my close family and friends, my sisters, around 2018 and said, hey, you know, I had this idea, crazy idea, you know, this fantasy book. And, you know, they read it and they were like, you know, you, you should explore, you know, you should explore more into it. And that kind of grew into, you know, the, the 30 chapters that we have in the first book. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, the building over the years, you know, in the back of the mind, you know, subconsciously, um, around 2017, it kind of, kind of took off. So when you're saying it's light and dark, so are you saying that between the guy and the girl, they're basically two opposites or yin or yang, or I don't know what the yeah. actual, but yeah, are they so, competing against each other? Is the conflict between them or are they um, against somebody else? So, yeah, that's now, that's really interesting. I, I will put I'll put you know to, as uh, Ismail and Imra as as Frodo and Sam. They, okay. They, they're 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 companions to the end, uh, and I wanted to show them first in the in the, in the cover because they are essentially like Sam and Frodo. They're best friends. Uh, they met in weird, uh, you know, circumstances, and mm-hmm. you know they got to work together. And the real story of the 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 you know the dark side. It it it, it kind of a mystery. Uh, you know the the main bad guy in the in the first book doesn't is not presented, uh, and he won't be presented until you know further into the third book. You know okay. the, the story itself is the badness in humanity itself. You know the like these. You know um, so the. The, the the main bad guy in the story, you know, I don't want to get too much away uh, right. at all. Is that it's an entity, but mm-hmm. it, the real badness is is in the humans in themselves. Um, so, you know, that's why it's not predicted in any of the pictures who is the main bad guy. Right. But the first first person to meet uh, is Saint Lawrence. Uh, he lives Midlands in in in, in the book. Uh, and he presents himself as a holy pope, but you know something seems off about him. Um, but you know the the actual arch, you know, or like the Sauron or the the main bad guy, you know, he's not really predicted or 
too shown in the first book or maybe even the second book. But, you know, we kind of leave them a mystery, I'll say. All right. So this also brings so it sounds like it also brings in a little bit of um, European elements as well with the popish, the saint, thing like that. So it is sounds like it's more than just a Eastern Europe, Middle Eastern focus. What I guess what would you call the differences of what standardly people would read with European or the American style fantasies to what you've written where it has so when I think like I can say to me the idea of Middle Eastern fantasy the oldest thing I can think of is the Arabian Night stories and Aladdin things like that yeah so to me that's what comes to my mind what is your story really because I enjoyed those immensely, but I'm trying to understand where yours is coming off as Middle Eastern, Eastern Asian to bring in those elements. What of those elements are in your story? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, this goes back to the opening. You know, when I would read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was based in, you know, I think World War Two. You know, in yes. the era around the World War II, mm -hmm. you know, um, I read it, uh, didn't know, like, you know, it was in like when I was 10 years old. I, you know, I mm -hmm. understood bits, but, you know, then I read the actual World War II book, you know, and All then, right. you know, uh, it, you know, you can see the similarities. The, the land of Amir, the way it works is that the places and locations and the names and the people and the way they dress, the animals didn't interact. You know, they're heavily based somewhere around South Asia, you know, okay. from, from like China. There's some creatures that I pulled, some creatures from or locations from Afghanistan, mm -hmm. uh, some stories that, you know, that I looked into Yemen and their folklore. Uh, so there's a lot of those elements in there that, you know, the, the readers can be, you know, that are European or American or, you know, that a lot of fans that are in Australia that, that maybe if they don't know about, hey, you know, what is this, you know, uh, animal? They, they research it and they're like, oh, it's in Afghanistan, you know, that's interesting. You know, so it's that kind of psychological connection that, you know, I wanted to make through fantasy to, to, the, to the Middle Eastern, you know, um, right. that, so that type using, of interpretation. So you're using real animals, are you using real places or are you um, using fictitious places? So, uh, Real, like some real places and some fantasy, you know, the Tower of Light, you know, um, it came through like real places in a fantasy place, you know, like it, if you look in the, in the, in the book cover, you know, it looks like the Spain uh, cathedral, you know, the mm -hmm. way that the arches are, and then, you know, there's a holy light off of it. So, right. you know, we're using real, you know, churches, mosques, you know, uh, way of showing stories. And different ways of people living, you know, um, in the north, they really live with, uh, like, how people live in Pakistan, open fields, green grass, farming lands. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the south, in different locations, like in the desert, you know, they live how people will live in Afghanistan, you know, uh, tribal connected people in different rural areas in, in the desert. Um, so that, that type of story, you know, a little different to fantasy, how they're all, you know, 
a little bit different than what normal fantasies are called. Understand. So I guess here's another thing is, as you said, you've been here since you were 10 years old or a little bit yeah, before right. 10, I think yeah. you said. Yeah, seven. Uh, seven years old. Okay. Yes, so with that being said, how much of what you remember growing up are you bringing into your stories and the culture you is the culture you remember from that being a part of what you're bringing in or what are you doing with that? Or is it just not even a part of it? So the, you know, I, I've been to Pakistan a few times, you know, went home back to the motherland. Um, you know, I came from a real small village, you know, on top of a, a, a you know, a hill. Okay. Um, and you know, that, that was isolation. You know, we, we, you know, we had, you know, when I was growing up, camels make deliveries, you know, once a week. Uh, you know, we played cricket, you know, in the fields, you know, uh, play with animals. So, you know, the story, you know, and how I pulled it in, uh, it, it is, you know, not all based in Pakistan, but it, it's, it's pulling a lot of whole Asia, South Asia. Right. You know, um, I did research, you know, how people interact in villages compared to how people interact in cities in Karachi. Uh, and that's how we, we split many of these up, you know, in the North in the South in the East and the West. Uh, and that comes from like uh, interactions, like how they will be in, in, the, in the desert in Southern in the Afghanistan, you know, how the tribes will interact each other. So the story is not really from through my experiences. Uh, right. as growing up in Pakistan. It's it's really a combination of different events, you know, or folklore uh, that is driven into the story. Uh, All right. You know, like I will give it a good example will be like, uh, like Game of Thrones, you know, mm -hmm. how Game of Thrones, uh, how the, the Northerns speak and interact with each other and they lay in lands and how the Southerns, you know, in King's Landing interact each other where they right. always say, you know, my lord, my king. But in the in the north, they really don't say that. They really don't, you know. So uh it's like that. It's 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 just like how uh George R. Martin brought a lot of European into that his theories. Right. Is you know, we're trying to do that with the land of Amir, where okay. it's not really based in my experience. It's based, you know, in the whole it's basically the culture yeah. itself. The culture, yeah. Definitely in the second book, we're expanding on that. We're, re you know, researching more into, you know, like, for example, in the in the second book, it's based in the, the Western kingdoms. And they're really like castle-based people okay. where they have fishing, they have mud diggers, they have slavery. So it's really different than the North. So, you know, that's really interesting in the second book where we're diving into where there's heavy populated people or there is a king that's like interacting with their, with their, you know, um, with their citizens. Right. Uh, unlike in the, in the first book where the North, they're real isolated. So, you know, the book, the first book is really about isolation uh, and coming out of isolation. Um, so that's, you know, if I had a subject, of the first book, I would say it would be isolation, how they're hidden behind this wall where they're not really interacting with humanity. And the first chapter is how they're actually, you know, opening the doors, leaving, and they heard about this threat. Um, 
but the second book really, like I said, it dives into really opening up the world, um, just like how you will see yourself in like King's Landing or something. Understanding you're working on the second book now, I imagine, or? Yeah, yep, yeah, we're in full swing. Uh, you know, we, we got at least 300, you know, 50 pages in. And, you know, this book is going to be, you know, double the size of the first one. Uh, since the main characters are spreading out through the land, uh, there's many plots happening. You know, there's the deserts, the mountains, the the, uh, the moonlight sea uh, where the, uh, the West Kingdom is. So the second book is really going to be expanding uh, the rich mythology from, you know, South Asia. And, you know, I'm pretty excited about that. All right. Well, that sounds exciting. So yeah. with that, what is it that actually pushes them to go out of this isolation? Because most people that grew up stick in isolation. They get comfortable in that isolation. Yeah. They, like where I grew up, it's a small town. In fact, I think my mom just told me the other day that our one blinking light in that town just went away. So... <laughs> Yeah, I know. She told me she listened to the, one of the episodes and I mentioned the blinking light and she said that that's been removed. So I can't even say I'm from a one blink one blinking light town. Blinking light. Yeah, even the light left. Yes. But yeah. I know a lot of people that in those areas, they were born, they were raised, they didn't, and they have no urge to even go out of a, I would say, a 50-mile radius of their home, they're just happy, they're comfortable. What is inside that radius that they're comfortable with, they don't remove. I can tell you I had a cat that's been, we're in more states than a lot of people I grew up with have been in. So what is it in your book that pushes your characters to not be like, I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm happy here. Yeah. I don't need anything more. And again, there's nothing wrong with that if you're one of those people. No, but no. what is it that pushed your characters? There has to be that kick in the butt that makes them move. What was it for yeah, them? Definitely, definitely. And you know, and I agree. And I also come from that small town <laughs> uh, where people hardly leave. So the the term isolation is heavily used here too. So right. Uh, that that's a that's a good question. What really kickstarts this? You know, these people who are standing behind this amazing golden wall where you know it's never been overtaken they have never been attacked and the, essentially the tower of light really expands their lifespan uh where i explained before ismail he's just a normal norm norm in the books are just people that live one to fifty but the light itself the tower the blessing it gives them they, they get uh long life um so and i agree so long life you know they're definitely going to stay behind the wall right. uh, the prologue is in the book. It's it's uh, it, it really describes the golden age. Um, the prologue in the book, in the first few pages, it describes a great battle that took in the golden age, where the first king, you know, the high king Om, who still is the king in the first chapter of this book, where he's a little bit older but uh, a little bit more corrupt as well. Um, he he kind of saw what it was in the south. He battled the entities, uh, and he thought he vanquished them. And then he, he went back in the north and, you know, lived there with his kids. And in the first chapter, you know, the, the doors open. And mm -hmm. you see this massive army marching out. And, you know, in the book, the way I kind of like writing 
my style, my book. It's a real puzzle of a, of a read. Uh, not everything, but essentially why things are happening, uh, it's hidden. And, that, you know, I kind of like to do that because I come from, like, back in the day when I was a big into video games. Not everything, you know, from, like, my kind of games are, like, presented right away. So readers right. really got to put it together. And, in, you know, in the first chapter, they open this door, why they're leaving their isolation, you know. And the reason really is, is that they, they heard the dark clouds are coming. There's something of an entity that's growing. And King Alm himself feels that um, he needs to fight this. Uh, so the first chapter really is is just these youngsters. The no of the uh, elders that live in the north, the king himself, are leaving. They are just like isolation. They stay behind. Uh, they send their kids and their four kids in, in this amazing attire in the first chapter, and they're heading out to this land that they've never seen. For a, a reason they really don't know, um, so that that really what kicks it off is is, is confusion. Uh, the king ordered this. Hey guys, go go to the south. Figure out why this uh, this horrific acts are happening in this city called McMad. That's the first chapter, uh, and and investigate. And that's what really starts this. Um, it, you know uh, why they're leaving. The king has a feeling, and he sent his troops, but only the youngsters. Uh, and there's a reason why the youngsters are only being sent. It's in the book. Uh, you know, I can I can tell you, but uh, I, I don't know if you want to leave it up to the readers. Uh, but there is a reason why all the old people are staying behind, and only the young troops are leaving uh, mm-hmm. in the first chapter. Well, we have to and leave something for yeah. somebody to read. Yeah, and everything everything in, in the in the first chapter is new to them. They've never been beyond the Golden Wall. So what they see past that in the Southland is new. The land is new because the Tower of Light doesn't spread. The, the, the grass, you know, is dying in the South. You can see in you know, my background, mm-hmm. uh, the dark clouds and the trees. I don't know if you can see it, are dying as well. And the tree over here is, is blooming. Right. So the clouds itself are, you know, it's in the book. Is, it's more than that. You know, they bring destruction and they bring like this evil curse where like a voice echoes in your mind to do something bad. So that's what the dark clouds really bring, uh, you know, getting into the book. Um, the clouds themselves are like a uh, anonymous sign where if the dark clouds are near, that means the people are beneath them are corrupted, where there's voices echoing in the south of this entity that persuades you. To the to to do, you know, simple th- things. Uh, so in the land itself, you know, since the clouds are covering the sun, it's dying, it's decaying. The animals are slowly, you know, withering away. So first chapter, when these soldiers go, you know, a few steps down their golden gate to the south, they notice the grasses are less greener. Uh, trees are not that healthy. Animals mm-hmm. are not that, you know, uh, visible. And, you know, that kind of adds this ominous tone when they get closer to the city and a few chapters beyond where things don't look to be, you know, what they thought, you know, because they're coming from this amazing uh, heavenly place from their tower of light behind the Golden Gate to this dark and dimmy place. Uh, kind of uneasy feeling to the teens and the kids and the, and the army. So 
All right. So they're and then, stepping yeah. on to the great unknown. Exactly. Like fears yeah. and challenges and all sorts of stuff. Like and said, that's, so, that, yeah. And so that, that's far, a good interpretation of isolation, stepping out of your boundary, you know, fearing the unknown. Uh, that is the real term of isolation of how to, you know, get out of it, you know? Um, so that, that, that's the only way I can put it, uh, you know, how they can overcome is through doing. Uh, and yeah, you know. Well, makes sense. Yeah. So let's do this. What can we actually, well, we, where can the readers, where can people listening to this show, where can they go and find you? Because I have a profile set up for you on authorblurb.com where people can go. You gave me some links for your books there. Where do you want people to find you? Where can they go and keep track or stay with you so that they can find out about the next book? What's your best places you like people to be at to find you? Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, the book can be found for purchase through walmart.com, uh, mm -hmm. amazon.com, uh, bookshop. Um, you know, if you just go to those locations and just type in the land of Amir, uh, it should pop up for purchase through, you know, paperback or through Amazon, uh, Ken Kendrel. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I'll, I'm, I'm really active on Twitter uh, under the land of Amir handle. Um, they can find me there. Um, yeah, you know, I'm pretty active on the Amazon page as well on the underneath the author page. All uh, right. You know, I, I talk about, hey, guys, you know, um, there's a book sales coming up or there's a uh, free ebooks coming up. Um, you can find that out, out there as well. It sounds perfect. So I encourage people to go obviously find the book Land of Amir, read it, get ready for the next book and just follow along through the whole storyline to enjoy it. With that being said, I'm going to end the conversation for everybody else. If you can hold on for me for just a second, we'll talk a little bit more after. That's good. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you. So that was the show. That was my conversation. As always, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your time, and I hope you keep listening because the authors do enjoy having people listen more to them. You, the readers, are just as important as anything else in the whole process, and that is what this is all about, reaching out to you. So take time. Give me a rating. Review it. Go to authorblurb.com. Shoot me an email. And let me know what you think. Anything to help out, I greatly appreciate. So again, thank you. I hope you have a good day. And as always, I'll talk to you soon.